WGR Sports Radio 550 presents Uh-oh. Sports Talk Saturday. Don't tell me. We're about to go over a huge waterfall. Yep. Sharp rocks at the bottom? Most likely. Bring it on. On WGR. Oh, yeah! Sports Radio 550. Welcome to the least prepared show of your Buffalo sports media. This is Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer here with you for just an hour. This is a shoot from the hip show. There's no real show prep. I'm figuring, hey, why not? We've got to fill some time before Brian Koziel, Paul Hamilton, Pat Malakaro take over from KeyBank Center with the Sabres taking on the Blues this afternoon at 1 o'clock. Pre-game starts at 12. What do we do from here? Ah, well, we kill some time. We fill some time. And we figure that out. Why? Because Sports Talk Saturday has pretty much been moved to tomorrow with a special edition Sports Talk Sunday, 11 to 2. We'll talk plenty more, of course, about the big game, um, 49ers, Chiefs. How big is it really for us here? Like, does anyone really care about this game? Um around here. I don't know. That's uh, I'm asking you all that rhetorically. We're going to go more in depth about that tomorrow. I don't really care about football right now. The NFL honors was stupid. I got called the dink. Like Thursday was this magnificent dumpster fire. Like Stefan Diggs, more loss in translation going on there. We'll talk more about all of that crap and madness and mayhem tomorrow. That's a tomorrow problem. I'm not worried about that today. I'm not worried about that because of the simple fact of I don't want to have another headache. I don't want to have a headache all weekend. I just want to, I just want to have it for one day. And what am I doing today? My stupid butt is going to the Sabres game. So maybe I will get another headache. I don't know. I'm not smart. We've all gone over this. But yeah, no. We're just the NFL voters yet yeah, back on Thursday. Awful. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. Um Chiefs and 49ers. Awful matchup. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. But you know what's not awful for tomorrow's show? And this is me being a promoter and more of just like, hey, you know, I'm better at promoting things than uh, than myself. Uh, Del Reed will be joining us to start the show tomorrow from Vegas as he was there as, a, uh, as the Bills fan of the year and someone that while I do think should have won the NFL Fan of the Year, Tom Grassi's great, by the way. Um, if you have a chance to ever go to YouTube and check out his content, <laughs> I'm not mad at who beat Dell out. He, hearing the story, I can't be upset about it. But at he's the also time, genuinely was, entertaining. Yeah, but at the time, I was like, Del Reed, Del Reed should have won. In my maybe I'm, because I'm we're a biased. homer. We're yeah, biased. We're, we're Bills a fans. homer, and also this is like the guy that kind of invented the phrase "Bills Mafia." I'm hoping that there is a significant ending to a uh, to a mission that he has out there in Las Vegas, and uh, and I hope that he has success with this because there could be a fun full circle moment to Bills Mafia in in Las Vegas this weekend. So we'll talk to Dell tomorrow. We'll also do a tradition that we've had anytime we've done the local Super Bowl pregame show. Mark Schofield will join us. And my question to all of you, I'm going to give you all 24 hours to think about this, is um, what's the most ridiculous food you could bring to a Super Bowl party? That That is an answer for tomorrow. You all got your homework, okay? Take it home. Think of the worst thing that you've ever seen brought to a Super Bowl party 
and you bring it back to me, okay? Not the food itself, just what happened. (laughs) But right now, it's Sabres Blues this afternoon. The Sabres are in a real crossroads of what their season has been like, what what it has been, and what can be done about it. And the biggest question here is starting to turn into what do the Sabres do about Casey Middlestat? If they wanted to keep him around, they would have signed him already. I think is really starting to become the the crux of this conversation. Because the minute they could do it, they signed Cousins. They signed Thompson. They signed Samuelson. Dalian and Power were obvious. You had to take care of those. But like you signed Matias Samuelson to a long-term deal. like That means you want to keep him around as part of the core. If you're not choosing to do that with Casey Middlestat, well... There's some interesting crossroads that you're going to have to deal with. And I listened yesterday to um, to Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, his uh, 32 Thoughts podcast, and there was a good eight-minute chunk about the Buffalo Sabres, particularly about what are they going to do with Casey Middlestat. And I know, ha- I know that Evan has these clips ready, raring to go, and I'm going to tee these things up, but it has become a question of what do the Sabres do with Casey Middlestat? And... Elliot Friedman goes into some of that in detail. So middle stat is at two and a half. He's a restricted free Arb. agent. He's got Arbrights and his counting stats are good. So, I mean, you know, you're going to have to pay him. He's a, he's got 42 points in 50 games. You know, you're going to have to pay him, but he's getting closer to UFA. You're basically at the bleep or get off the mm-hmm. pot stage. And the thing is there, Jeff, is if you're not going to pay him, He's not going to be happy. And that doesn't mean Casey Middlestat's a bad guy. But what it does mean is that he's going to look at everybody around him and say, all these guys got paid and I didn't. So you have if you're not going to pay him, you almost have to move him. And let's break that down a little bit because a lot of it's conjecture, but a lot of it's logic. It's not anything that's being reported. Sometimes what Friedman says is oftentimes a uh, a very ear-to-the-ground sort of thing these days. But... This seems like it's conjecture. It's more of looking at the reality of the situation. The Sabres do need to figure out what they're going to do with Middlestad. He does have restricted free agent status, so it's not like you lose him for nothing at the end of the season. But he does have arbitration, so he could demand something higher than the Sabres want to pay him for a year. But it's turning into, like he said, bleep or get off the pot. And... The Sabres are at a crossroads. They need to figure out what they're going to do and recognize who's going to be in the core. Because another part of this is the prospects. And I don't know if uh, I don't know if we have that clip of uh, of Kalik, Rosine, all of them. We need to see what they're going to do. They don't have the room for everybody. And what does that do if the Sabres do trade Casey Millsat? Say flipping him for a defensive upgrade. It gives them an opportunity to help move the cupboard along. But you look at Kulich, Rosen, Oslund, Wahlberg, Savoy. There's a lot of players here. And are they all going to play in Buffalo? Well, in a perfect world, you hope they do. But one of the other things you realize is not everybody can. And everybody gets there at different points. And that's the big thing. How annoyed were Sabres fans getting on the internet or otherwise that Oh, Noah Oslin had a great World Junior Tournament. Yeah, and? And that's really becoming the attitude here, and it's kind of justifiable. 
it doesn't matter if they're not going to play on the roster, and it's not going to matter, especially if there's no room for them to make the roster. Peyton Krebs continues to languish on the fourth line with Zemgis Gergensens, Eric Robinson, and sometimes Victor Olofsson. I just, there's not enough room right now, and the Sabres might need to start to do something to get rid of the logjam. Cousins has had a down year. But him with Quinn and Paterka is essentially your second line. Zach Benson can try to play more center if the situation calls upon it. If you were to trade Middlestat, you can bring up Yuri Kulik. You can bring up Isaac Razin. You, you can do these things with these prospects that you haven't been able to. Because what good is a full cupboard if you're not allowed to eat it? What good stock in the cupboard if I can't have it? And that's the problem that Kevin Adams is running into here. So it's going to become a critical offseason for them. Obviously, this season's a wash. Heck with it. There's only three players playing at like some form of above expectation. Ryan Johnson, J.J. Paterka, Ukapekalugan. Everyone else has regressed a bit. I could put Jack Quinn into this, but his season is effectively already over. And it's already over before it began, and that is unfortunate for a player of his skill because his team really was starting to find a little bit more of that offensive balance with Quinn in the lineup. But part of the reason that this season has gotten so frustrating for the Sabres also has to do with the fact that it's the way they're losing again. Last year when they lost games, they at least had fun doing it. You had fun watching them do it. You saw them make these plays and sometimes have plays made against them that were dumbfounding, exciting, fast and loose. It was different in just that sense. And then it became different in the sense of they're legitimately in the wild card hunt until the final two games of the season. Eliminated in game 81. That's something we haven't seen in a very long time. And then to take such a step back because the general manager made sure to run it back with the same group and then bring in a worse third pair. Well, what did you expect to happen? Kevin Adams has an opportunity to try to undo the inaction. And that's going to be very important for this team. It's going to be very important for this group. What happens next? But one of the big questions you have to answer now is about Casey Middlestad. And I'm starting to think if they wanted him around, they would sign him. If they really wanted him around as a core piece, they would have already signed him. Because there's still room under the cap to do this. You could still sign him to a long-term deal and not be worried about any of the potential issues. This isn't the Toronto Maple Leafs amount of money that we're throwing around here for the forward core. No, this is, you're not going to have to break the bank to sign Casey Middlestat to a long-term deal. So if the money makes sense, there's an opportunity to do it. You should have been doing it by now because you have a chance to negotiate it. And the team has a little bit more of that bargaining power, so maybe there's a bit of an impasse there. But I would really like it if they were able to finally make some decisions that can move the fans' needle of interest a little bit. Because we have that clip, I'm pretty sure, 
of Elliot Friedman talking about um, the atmosphere against Dallas in that game and and how it really sounded. But it more or less hinted to, so we don't have that clip, but it hinted to it's not there. And you can tell when you're when you're at a game, it's not a very excitable place right now. It's very the energy sapped out. It's not as fun. Last year there was plenty of fun to have because they were fun, excitable, and playing above expectation. Now that there's expectations on this team and they're failing to meet them once again, it's turned into an attitude of same old sabers. Same old sabers, unfortunately, has turned into the longest playoff drought in the NHL. And it's history. It's weird. We are a fan base that got one thing out of this team during the playoff drought, and that was the tank. They successfully lost on purpose. But yet when it comes to winning on accident, they can't do that. It is the weirdest thing about this franchise. The fact that they were able to lose on purpose successfully, still not get the player that they were really gunning for the whole time, And yet, when it comes to a league where half the teams make it every year, you can't even do that. And in the years where COVID cut the season short, more than half the teams are making it. And you still can't make that. Like, I'm a patience, patience, patience guy. You can't ask these fans to be any more patient. Like, that's one of the best hockey markets anywhere in the world. And my buddy said, you can feel it in the building. It's just, it's not there. He Basically, he said, this is not the way you should be experiencing hockey in Buffalo. And so you can't wait any longer. You can't tell these people, be patient. And that's kind of where we're at. There's plenty of apathy with Sabres fans right now, and I totally understand it. I have a job sitting in front of this microphone at the radio home of the Buffalo Sabres, and I will admit to all of you, I have not watched every single hockey game this year. And I feel for Brian. I feel for Paul. They have to cover this every game. This team continues to baffle the mind that you can't win on accident. The Montreal Canadiens made the Stanley Cup final. And they were butt cheeks. And you can't even make the playoffs? Sometimes with expanded fields? It just... No matter the changes that are made, it still seems to be this cycle of insanity and... Almost uselessness. And I'm going to the game today. What is wrong with me? (laughs) That's because Brayton asked me to go. So I said yes. (laughs) I haven't seen Brayton in a minute. So. But. Any one of us that's going to that game. Like we're sickos. In the truest sense of the word. Because you just want to see them actually do well. And at some point it's going to be proud dad. Or proud uncle. Or proud mom, proud aunt of just like, oh, you finally did it. You made it to the playoffs. Who's that right in front of you? The buzzsaw known as Boston? Ah, it was fun. (laughs) That's almost where we were last year. 
I mean, what, when are we going to get to a point where, like, half of the teams in the NHL make the playoffs? Exactly what I, I said. I, yep. I think I, that's what probably uh, frustrates me the most. It's not like you the, can't win on accident. One, one through eight, it gives you an opportunity. Now, I don't really like how the playoffs are. I kind of wish that it was one through eight again. So, but our own Pat Malacaro texted me, by the way. And I love his wisdom, and I love this stuff from him. Pat and Brian, they bring some of the best out. And having to cover a team like this, look at Edmonton, missing playoffs 12 of 13 years, collecting number one overall picks. Um, yeah, agreed. The Sabres should have made it by now, but um, that was an outcome of the tank era. We've got Pat. Let's get Pat. Why not? Let's, let's have some fun here. Um, at least then I'm not dealing with my own insecurities about this hockey team alone, and Pat can help me. Hi, Derek. Hey, Pat. I, I'm I'm listening faithfully here from the Ted Darling Memorial Puss Box right now. I, 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 like all of our listeners, I have to apologize to you and all of them. <laughs> Self-depreciating humor. It's what I'm about, Pat. I so, the Sabres, though, it is this... It's a strange thing, but I heard a lot about um, – there was a good amount of thoughts from Elliot Friedman on the 32 Thoughts podcast, Pat. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to get your thoughts uh, on Casey Middlestat and what the um, – kind of what the Sabres could or should be doing here with a center that has been probably the most consistent player of the season offensively, not named J.J. Paterka, and also what – should they do about his contract status? Yeah, I I think the the clip that you played is about as as good as you could explain it. Look, you're looking at a player like Casey Middlestat that has been maybe pro, your pro, most productive playmaker of the season, and and he's doing it from a spot. Forty two points leads the team, and, and I know that uh, Darlene is right there in the mix. You've got a couple of play, other players in the mid thirties, but right now Casey Middlestat is on pace to have more assists this year than he did last year. And last year was a, a very good season for him. So I think you have to decide. It, it, can Casey Middlestat, there's, there's a log jam in front of him in terms of you, you've got Tage Thompson, you've got Dylan Cousins. And you know someone like Peyton Krebs to me is an interesting player for this conversation because going into the year, I was expecting Krebs to maybe take a jump in terms of points this year because of how well he played last year with Gergensen's in Oposo. And I understand that line has basically been together for most of the year or when there's been injuries. You know, Eric Robinson has been there as well. But Peyton Krebs hasn't taken that step. And he was such a key piece of that Jack Eichel trade with the Golden Knights. I at least want to know what I've gotten Peyton Krebs going forward. So uh, it, it unlocks a few options for you for Kevin Adams because, yeah, the, the $2.5 million this year for, for Casey Middlestad is not a lot. You're right. I was As you were talking, I looked up Cap Friendly, and you know, as of this moment, no, there's, there's no goalie. Uh, no, save Devin Levi for this conversation. But the, of the two goalies on the roster, they don't. neither of them are signed for next year. Uh, Uko Pekalukin is an RFA. So you, there's some money that has to be spent next year, but there's a way if you want to invest long-term in Casey Middlestat, you can. But when you take it into the whole picture of who's in front of him in terms of your, your top centers on the team, who's behind him, and who could be coming up, like you, you rightly point out, you can't have all these players in the NHL either, but some of them, you're also going to have to find out what you have from your top prospects. So uh, 
it's it's an interesting spot, I think, for Kevin Adams to be in and for a team that is going to need to go on uh, a run like I mentioned Edmonton. The Oilers did. Now, there's because because of a head coaching change, but you almost have to go on a run like that to leapfrog teams and make up those 10 points uh, in the process uh, of the teams around you. It's an it's interesting conversation. Yeah, and you bring up Peyton Krebs, and I, I, for one, would love to see him with line mates on a more consistent basis that aren't of – and look, there are places for a Zemgis Gergensons and an yes. Eric Robinson to be on an NHL roster. But I would like to see Krebs, whose biggest uh, scouting positive was his playmaking ability, to have other mouths to feed that aren't uh, fourth-line fixtures in the National Hockey League on a consistent basis. I agree, and that, that's, to me, part of this conversation when we talk about you know, what does Kevin Adams decide to do with, with his front office in Casey Middlestat because of that playmaking ability of Krebs. And, and again, I'll go back to he was such an important piece of that trade with, with the Vegas Golden Knights. So the Sabres saw something in Peyton Krebs other than just a guy who, uh, and you're right, I mean, there is a place for Zemgis Gergensen's Eric Robinson. I love the, the, the leadership that Kyle Oposo brings to the team and, and that added scoring. But I also want to see Krebs on a, a, a higher line just to see if what the Sabres saw in him scouting-wise to acquire him in that trade is what we're going to see on the ice from him in the NHL. And that, to me, is still this wide-open question that we still don't have the answer to. Yeah, and it's not just Krebs, of course. We talk about Yuri Kulik and Isaac Rosane and uh, Noah Osland has entered the conversation now as another prospect that still has not seen a Buffalo Sabres sweater, and it, it just turns into a logjam thing where with Casey Middlestead, it's almost like this weird damned-if-you-do, damned-if-you-don't-sign-him thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also you can look at the positive side of it of it's good if you do sign him or it's good if you trade him, and you can look at the different options of it. If you move Middlestead, that gives not just a potential for a roster upgrade or um, acquiring more in order to uh, possibly bolster your defense, maybe. Uh, but also, it allows opportunities for a Krebs, for a Kulik, for Rosane to actually make this roster and get an extended look, like you just said, about um, your high-end prospects. They need to see what they've got. Yeah, and I also would qualify it by, by saying I, I don't think because Casey Middlestead is on pace, he had such a, a, a high offensive output year last year, didn't take a step back this year. I don't think of it as well if Casey Middlestat gets that contract from the Sabres then he's going to regress I I still think there's a, a ceiling that he can still reach that's beyond what what he's playing at this year but again you're right if you if you want to see what your prospects have and um, you know look it, it's almost like last year where the Sabres stood pat at the trade deadline and they decided we want to see what how our players react in these situations well you want to see how some of these younger players in the system react in the NHL they've been playing against uh, players in in the AHL that whether it be you know veterans that are trying to get back to the NHL that you know really try and you know really press the play and are very hard to play against in in a very physical style and now you get to the NHL and are you able to mix the skill and and the physicality of the game uh at this level I would like to see that too so I I think you're right and it's the I don't think you can make the wrong decision other than if you don't if if you decide to make a trade you just have to get those trade pieces right yeah it's about the return i think if you do trade him and i think every sabers fan i could i could probably speak for a good amount of them if it's picks and prospects coming back that's something that not a lot of people will be okay with 
And I guess it, it comes to our conversation of how many prospects can you have in the organization before you have to start moving them around. So, you know, you can, you can add as many draft picks, and uh, it comes back to a conversation. Would you like to have a player on your team that you know what you're getting? Or you, are you a, the type of general manager, fan, uh, you know, scout that is excited by the idea of what a, the potential of a draft pick could be because of how they played in juniors or in college and what they project out? You know, there's always different thought, schools of thought, and a lot of it has to do with where your franchise is in terms of their uh, their growth and, and their playoff potential. But, you know, it's, it can be a hard sell for, for a team that continues to stockpile picks. And, look, one of the reasons why was there wasn't really much in the cupboard to speak, so to speak, uh, five or six years ago going into um, the, this now mm-hmm. long of a drought. But now that there is a, a lot of depth in terms of forwards, at least, in the prospect pool, is that something else you want to add even more to by making a, a trade? Uh, so, Pat, are, are you and Brian available to do this one more segment? I will be here. Yes. <laughs> Pat will be here. So there we go. We, we've got ourselves, uh, like I said, this is a shoot from the hip uh, sports talk Saturday uh, for for a nice little hour. So Pat and I will be back with you on, on the other side here as Sports Talk Saturday rolls on. Pat Malacaro live from KeyBank Center. Derek Kramer here in the Amherst studios as we do a little Sabres pre-pregame here on WGR. Far circle, one-timer, and Ottinger got a piece of that one. Might have gone off the stick of the defenseman in front of the net. Here is Darlene. Up top, Thompson. Fire scores! Taze Thompson, the general manager earlier tonight, said shoot the puck, let her rip, and he does there. We're tied at one. The one goal that went in against the Dallas Stars a couple nights ago as the Sabres lost 2-1 to Dallas in KeyBank Center. Though they looked exciting doing it, Jake Ottinger decided to replicate a brick wall uh, and unfortunately stymie the Sabres' offensive efforts against Dallas. So this is Sports Talk Saturday, kind of, sort of. This is more of an extended Sabres pregame, I think, is what I'm treating this as. And even more so, we've got Pat Malcaro again from the arena joining me here. Uh, more of our Sports Talk Sunday uh, tomorrow. You'll hear more about uh, the Super Bowl. You'll hear more about um, my t- my take on the NFL honors, which Pat, oh boy, that was a mess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, coverage of uh, the big game on WGR, especially tomorrow, it's presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. By Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, solostove.com. And by Empire Electric, your residential neighborhood electrician. Visit empireelectricians.com. All right, I got the live reads out of the way. Pat, let's get back to business. Mm-hmm. And uh, and one of the things here is um, the Sabres being at this crossroads again. One of the things that continues to baffle me about this uh, about this drought is how they can't manage to put it together just even for one season. And last year they came close, but still managed to fall short. And it turns into this, why did they make the change that they had to make offensively and stylistically mm-hmm. from the fast running gun team from last year? And I think personally that that had to do with expectation. When there's expectations, you're more worried about failure and you try to play more careful about it. Uh, how would I? How would that measure up? I think more or less as a take. 
Yeah, I think that's fair, and I also think that when you have the goaltenders like like you have in Devin Levi, who, look, I still think is going to be a, a very good goaltender in the league, and Uko Pekalukkanen is developing into a very good goaltender as well, and that could be a, a solid 1-1A combination like the league uh, is trending, has been trending to for years now. Um, you, you look at some of the best teams in the league, and it's a goaltender by committee, so to speak, with the with the two-goalie system. That'll be very good for this team in a year or so. But maybe the thought uh, could have been that, look, we just don't know. We just don't know how th- th- this this tandem or add Eric Comrie to the mix, who has never been a true number one in the league, uh, will we'll react to it. So we maybe need to dial it back just a little bit because we think the offense will still be there enough. Um, you would not have expected Dylan Cousins to start the season and have the first couple of months that he had. You would not have expected similar out of Tage Thompson uh, for the first couple of months of the year and you know, added an injury to the mix as well. So you would have thought that the, the goal scoring would have been there. And also, I mean, Brian and I have talked about this a couple of times recently, um, that the 5-on-5 five five goal scoring was basically the same as what it was last year. Um, but it's the power play. That, to me, is the baffling part is the fact that the power play, which is the same players, uh, I think basically the same system. Now, is it just that teams are loading up on not letting Tage Thompson get off the bomb from, from the faceoff dot or from just in, in tight? Uh, you know, Victor Olofsson is not scoring on the on the power play anymore, and, and you know, they're just not getting that offense and it seems like when the, when the offense isn't there, when the key players on the power play are being shut down, the puck movement isn't as good as it had been in the past. A lot of movement with the puck, but not moving it player to player. So to me, the power play is the part of this conversation that I just can't get out of my head is I don't understand why it is not uh, succeeding. At not necessarily the level it was last year, but even close to the level it was last year. Uh, there's a difference between like not succeeding to the point of where it was last year and actually becoming a detriment to the team, which mm-hmm. is what it is this year. It is almost like there are some nights where they're giving up more quality chances on the power play than they're getting. And it does look like there's this bit of um, a lack of adjustment, I would say, uh, to the power play to try to really make teams start getting to move. Like you said, the puck's moving around a lot, but defending it doesn't require as much movement and you're not getting players chasing and out of position for those Tage Thompson claps or for creative plays that start underneath the net and then going up high. It is becoming one of those things where the repetitiveness is really becoming a problem with the power plays scheming. Yeah, it's something Marty Baran pointed out to, to Brian and myself uh, one of the radio-only games uh, probably about a month and a half ago is, yeah, it, it's it's not that the puck isn't moving. It's just it's a lot of being predictable, and a lot of it is you're just not you're not, not making the defense work for it. You're letting the defense kind of dictate to you uh, the, the terms in, in the offensive end, and, and that's the part of this power play that it was so vastly different last year is the Sabres were taking it to the, to the opponent making those four players or three players on the ice really move around and defend the the puck and and defend the play. And that just has not been the case this season. Pat Malacaro joining us from KeyBank center here on the Western hotline. Uh, Pat, let's get connected with our fans real quick. Mm -hmm. It's brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer shop online at NorthtownKia.com. I've had a couple tweets coming in here today. So, uh, Let's answer them a little bit, right? Um, Sure. Steve Noble tweeting in, I would much rather lose games while playing the younger prospects, getting them NHL experience, than sitting around waiting on or hoping for a 10-game winning streak that isn't going to happen. 
Um, and that's something that we brought up earlier, which is like the only way that they can really reinsert themselves into the playoff conversation is uh, a lengthy win streak. But this comes back to that Casey Middlestat conversation of if you trade him, it allows players a chance to uh, to elevate to the main roster here because without a player moving off of this team, there's still no room, which is the weird catch-22 about the Sabres. Yeah, and oh, by the way, this is an point we talked about earlier, and, and I feel like I want to bring it up. I'm you know, just looking at Casey Middlestat in, in uh, you know his, his career so far. He's still only 25 years old. Yeah, I mean, you, you feel like because he came into the league at such a young age that he'd be older than he actually is and still only 25. So that's why I think that he still has a, a lot of uh, – he has a, a higher ceiling potentially to reach as a, as a player. But, yeah, it, it comes back to if you're out of the playoff hunt, if you, if you decide this is not going to be a year we're going to be able to make a run, then – do you move on and, and see what you have in some of those prospects that I still think, you know, if you don't find out now, you're going to, you're going to find out, you're going to have to find out in, in next season at some point. And would you want to get them a, a chance to see what it's like to be in the NHL? That way, if you do rebound, let's say this year is the aberration and last year wasn't, then they're not coming into a, a potential playoff push or a team that is in a, a playoff spot at the time and have them learning on the fly so to speak uh as they're trying to figure it out in the nhl all right yeah so the other part of this of course um this goes back to a couple conversations i've had with paul hamilton which is you don't give up on a player uh too soon like this and uh, casey middlestat because we were talking more about ukapaka lucan in those conversations Mm -hmm. but this applies to middlestat like you just said he's only 25 he has been steadily getting better this isn't like the uh the explosion that tage thompson had experienced for the career arc this was the steadily getting better and now getting more consistent to his game that it's almost like if you give up on him is it too soon and there better be a great return for it which will tie into the next tweet i've got here this one coming from chuck what is middlestat worth and what could we get that's worth a worth a darn yeah i mean to me at the trading deadline you're getting pick you're getting picks you're getting prospects you're Mm -hmm. the potential prospects if you're talking about player for player trades, I know that's happening, and you know, Elias Lindholm gets traded by uh, Calgary to Vancouver, and that I mean that happens before the All Star game, so they're getting basically an extra month out of it. But we're talking about at the trading deadline, you're going to see a lot of the, the draft pick trades, and maybe you you have to wait until later on in terms of you know player for player bigger deal types type conversations for the draft, which by that point, you know, middle stat status, um, you know, would be, you know, heading towards free agency or restrictive free agency at that point. So does the team value that? Or, uh, you know, so I, I don't know what the return is because you're talking about kind of two different timelines, so to speak, in, in what the Sabres potentially could get. Uh, so finally, the last thing here, Pat, being that um, what they could get for him is is one thing. Giving up on him too soon is another thing. And it is, like I said, it's the double-edged sword, but you could also spin it in great ways uh, no matter how you do it. Uh, Pat, to me, there's just one other thing, and it comes from the text that you had sent me that, you know, sparks us just doing this uh, off-the-cuff sort of of a show. Uh, Again, this team manages to find ways to not make the playoffs. The one thing that we did see them do during the playoff drought was lose on purpose successfully, Mm -hmm. yet they still somehow just can't put it together even on accident. Like, say, the Montreal Canadiens getting to the Stanley Cup one season, and that was not a very good roster that had done that, and it just 
it's just almost becoming this sense of frustration that continues on for the fan base. Yeah, every year there's a team. You can go down the list of every single season. There's a team that goes on an extended run, and that's that's part of it too. You go back to when Phil Housley led team when he was the head coach, and they were in what in first place going into American Thanksgiving, and the the record for teams making the playoffs was so vastly in the favor of of them making it, and then. You have the disastrous end of January and month of February into March, and they don't make the playoffs. So, yeah, that, that's that's the thing. You can you can go year by year and, and see one team, at least one team, that just caught lightning in a bottle for a month period or uh, a six-week stretch and could, could not find a way to fall out of a playoff spot, and, and that just hasn't happened. And that's what makes all of this so frustrating uh, for fans. And, look, I get it. We, we've been – Brian and I have been here for – the whole time uh, on post game shows and tweets, you know, we, we hear the phone calls, we hear the tweets, the text messages. Uh, you know, we used to get those on post game shows. You know, we, we understand all that, and, and we understand that. Look, it it shouldn't have been like this because at some point you almost have to backdoor into a playoff spot by by having one of those runs. Yeah, and you you mentioned that last part of like how you used to get some of these things and. And that has to do with this team has created a sense of apathy within the fan base where the environment is still not there. There's been there have been moments like last year. There were a couple moments. Um, uh, most I thought the building last year it w- was that was what it was like. Not not necessarily in the run of those two seasons going to the conference finals, but right. for somebody who's been going to games since I was a kid. I mean, it was exciting place to be. It was it was fun, a fun atmosphere, and it was the all right. You've proven to us now that you can play a more up tempo style like the league is playing. You're you're fun to watch. You may lose games, but you're losing them five to four, seven to six. You know, in that range, and at least the the product on the ice. I think ended the season the prior year playing that way and gave fans something to potentially look forward to, and fans were just looking to see if that would if they'd find a way to recapture some of that, and they did. And that's what, again, makes part of this so frustrating is that, is that yesterday, is that last year there was that growth, and this year it has kind of taken that step back. It, and, again, it, I, I think I'm not speaking too hyperbolically. That's not something I do, right, Pat? Uh, no, never. But, never, never me. Uh, they're the weirdest franchise in pro sports right now. Yeah, and again, this is a league where you you and Evan have talked about it, whether it's half the teams making the playoffs, uh, teams accidentally finding a playoff spot. That's part of the frustration is that it doesn't matter. The players change, the coaches change, even the GM has changed a couple of times, several times over over this elongated stretch for the Sabres, and uh, the results remain the same. And that's, that's I think, the – the confusing, the frustrating part, if you're a fan, and and why it makes you know the, the fans want to say you got to show me, and you've got to you've got to prove it to me uh, for for me to come out to to games. And again, I thought it was like that last year, and you know this year taking a step back. Pat, thank you for joining me here uh, on a on a brief sports talk Saturday, and uh, I will be excited to listen to you and Brian as I make my way down to the arena with one Brayton Wilson. So. Uh, we're going to try to take in this game. Does that make me even more of a sicko that I'm doing a show complaining about them, yet I'm going to the game? Um, I'll reserve judgment <laughs> on you, Derek. <laughs> Always Enjoy the, the game gentleman. Today.
Great, great catching up with you. You too, Pat. Always the perfect gentleman, Pat Malacaro there on the Western Hotline live from Key Bank Center. Him and Brian Cozy will, will be joined by Paul Hamilton to talk more about the Sabres as they take on the Blues this afternoon from downtown Buffalo. All right, well, we got to get the heck out of here in uh, just a little bit. So next segment, in and out. I got to get in a car and, uh, yeah, sure, go Sabres. Keep that bump up as I go for the sign-off here, Evan. Good choice. All right, we got to get out of here. Sabres pregame is starting at noon. So, uh, by the way, I'm back tomorrow, 11-2. to Kyle Powell joining me. Del Reed joining us. Mark Schofield joining us. Coverage of the big game, especially tomorrow on WGR. It's presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. By Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit at solostove.com. And by Empire Electric, your residential neighborhood electrician. Visit empireelectricians.com. I got to get out of here. I got a face-off to go to. Hope you guys enjoy it, too. Sabres Blues coming up here. Brian Koziel, Pat Maricaro, Paul Hamilton taking Sabres pregame. Coming up next here on WGR.